You're listening to Two Dudes, One Disc. We're the most sought-after music journalists, the greatest minds in the history of... You really gonna make me read this sh- Just read it! <sighs> Take on the most influential albums of all time. Here's your host, Michael Heideman, on Two Dudes, One Disc. Does it make you feel like you're on a beach? It really does. In California? <laughs> I was going to try to hit the uh, post, but I don't know where the post quite it, is in this. It's coming. Not yet, though. <laughs> a little Beach Boys intro. Everyone's it, probably like, what album are they taking on today? It is. Well, this is a hat tip to... Are you going to hit Even- some harmony eventually notes? Eventually, they're going to get there. <laughs> eventually. We can't start the show until we hit the post. There we go. It's on. Here we go. Another lightning rod of an episode given to us by the rock music gods. Yes, you are listening to Two Dudes, One Disc, the podcast where we take a deep dive into your favorite albums, song by song, with careful careful analysis, and share some stories of growing up with the records we love. Today we go full steam ahead with a 90s smash hit that put an up-and-coming band from Portland, Oregon, and thrust them into the TRL MTV universe, making... So much for the Afterglow, one of the biggest albums of the year, and put the band Everclear on the map. And now who better to take on this banger than the storyteller, the newsbreaker, the Take No Prisoners award-winning journalist, and the biggest Art Alexakis fan this side of Alparaiso, <laughs> Indiana, Ryan Burrow. Ryan, welcome to Two Dudes, One Disc. Wow, thank you. That uh, you, you sure crammed a lot into there that uh, <laughs> I am not deserving of, that's for sure. <laughs> well, much like the intro to this song, there's a lot crammed into it. A lot of harmony, a lot of good positive vibes, and, and I'm stoked that we can take this album on together. Yeah, you know, I, I you, you approached me and we were talking about, you know, what would be maybe a, a, a good album, and this is the one that popped up into my head. There were, there are other other albums that you know I had that I played the heck out of but uh, this <laughs> okay. one for some reason really stuck out to me and uh, I, I don't know why I, I just uh, it, it, it just came at a certain time in my life I think that uh, you know you you really latch on to something and, and that's what this album did yeah absolutely so much for the afterglow it's it's funny you mentioned that because a lot of people know this album very well, maybe from the, the hit songs, Father of Mine, and I Will Buy You a New Life, which we'll get into a little bit. But it was the late 90s. A lot of people were, you know, they were just young. Well, a lot of people, like I'm saying, I, I, yeah. was, I was young during that time as well. And I, was, and I was just, you know, getting into music for the first time. Came out October 7th, 1997. And was a smash hit. Took over the world with with those two songs, "I Will Buy You a New Life" and "Father of Mine," who that were by far their biggest hits from this album. But this song is such a great way to start off and kickstart an album with the harmonic little interlude or intro that you dive into. You're like, "What? Where am I going with this?" And then kicking right into this rock, rock, uh, heavy bass, guitar-driven um, first song. I think one of the draws probably of this album for me was, I mean, Kirk's dead, right? Kirk Cobain's dead at this point. And, and this this kind of, you know, the Alice in Chains movement and Soundgarden and stuff like that. We we're kind of at the, we we're kind of, that was starting to fizzle out a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and you've got kind of this more poppy sound and maybe a little bit happier of a sound, but still with those kind of grunge undertones. And, you know, (laughs) I'm 17 years old. I'm not miserable. So I can't like fall in love with all the miserable stuff. And this one's got a little bit of a a fun beat to it, but still kind of kind of hits you a little bit with some of the, uh, you know, some of the serious issues, I suppose, that art was dealing with in these days. Yeah, it was only until later when I would get, when I was a little bit older that I figured out, like, all these songs were very, very sad, yeah. actually, and they seemed but so they happy. Had, but they didn't sound sad when you listened to them, mm-hmm, right? They, mm-hmm. they really didn't. Like, and then you'd see the music videos and you'd be like, oh, this is about his father and his horrible life that he needed to go through with him. And I'm like, I this, this song was about hanging out with your dad. Okay? Yeah. And, and, you know, the the thing is, when you're when you're 17, and and you're listening to this, you know, I'm watching it now with my kids growing up. I mean, they just sing the songs. They mm-hmm. don't think about the meaning to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and you hear them sing some of these songs like, well, I don't know if I want my 11-year-old singing this song. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
but she doesn't think about it mm-hmm. like that like that. And 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 I didn't think about all the lyrics to to these songs, but there were there was something about them and the and the way the music, you know, was put together that that really spoke to me, I suppose instead. Absolutely. Let's get into the next song, Everything to Everyone. Oh, come on. Right from the start, I can I can put myself where I was. I was mowing the lawn back in McHenry County, or McHenry, and I was listening to this on my Walkman, and I remember yep. holding it really extra tight because you had, couldn't have it skip yeah. at those times. So wh- where was a young 17-year-old Ryan Burrow? What kind of clothes were you wearing? Where were you living? Uh, well, I was in Roselle, okay. um, and kind of where, where I put myself when I think about this this CD, which I, of course, had black CD, mm-hmm. so much for the afterglow written in, uh, I believe it was either silver or maybe it was clear so you could actually see the, uh, the, the, the disc itself in the background. Um, I remember listening to this a lot uh, while I was playing baseball in high school because we would travel, you know, we would mm-hmm. go. And the thing about growing up in Roselle and I was in uh, I went to Lake Park High School and our district at that time was the upstate eight. And so for people from from <laughs> northwest suburbs, the upstate eight and, and I think it's changed now or it might not even exist anymore. We were the extreme side of DuPage County. I mean, literally, we were right next to Cook County. Yeah. So you'd yeah. think we'd be playing the Schaumburgs and the Hoffman Estates and stuff like that, but no. That's that's not what we play. We 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 played DeKalb. Ooh. We played St. Charles. We played Wabonzi Valley. We played East Aurora, West Aurora, Elgin. And these were long bus trips. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so rather than going to Addison Trail or, you know, one of these nearby high schools, we had to make these big long journeys, or at least what I thought was big long journeys. So mm-hmm. what do you do? Bring your Walkman, you throw this in. And, you know, this was in my rotation, had some Rage Against the Machine in there, Mm -hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers Mm -hmm. in there as well. And it was just, uh, oh, I lost the sound there. Oh, you did? Yeah, I lost the sound. (laughs) All right. Okay, now now, now you're back in. We're going back into the uh, baseball. You're in the the bus right now. Your friend's giving you a noogie in the back. The the eggs. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I've been back in the uh, the, the. Golden shell, known as whatever school bus was bringing us to these locations, mm-hmm. right? With the with the broken down seats. And do you uh, remember when you would go? Because I was in ba- traveling baseball too. Well, for a little bit. I mean, people who know me, they're like, "You play baseball? What's going on?" But I was in in high school, and I remember the thought of going on an hour drive to Elgin or somewhere like that yeah. was the long. It might have as well been four hours because when you're young and and you're and someone else needs to drive you there, you're like, "Dear God, this is gonna be like, should I pack a bag? Like, should I?" Bring a knapsack? Do we need dinner? <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I don't do well with motion sickness either, so that was always a factor. Like, am I going to get <laughs> sick? I remember one time we uh, we were getting ready to go to a baseball game, mm-hmm. and uh, it was pouring outside. We left the school, and it's like, we got to drive out to DeKalb. Yeah. We're yeah. driving out to DeKalb, and it is pouring out. There is no way this game is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I wasn't exactly Mr. Starter anyways. I did not spend a lot of time actually playing on the field. Um, <laughs> what was your so, position, though? Uh, well, outside of left bench, uh, <laughs> I, I played wherever someone got hurt, essentially, uh, if that space uh, allotted. So I knew going into this ride that I uh, probably wasn't going to be seeing much action. So it was important <laughs> to have some music to, to kind of pick me up, and, and that's what this went. But I remember that specific time to DeKalb. It was pouring the whole time. We knew this game's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, we get to DeKalb. What happens? They cancel the game. Oh. Get back in the bus. And we got to head back down, what would that have been, 355 or, or 80? I can't remember what it was, but, uh, you know, we, we slumped through traffic to get there. Mm-hmm. Then we found out that there was no game, mm-hmm. and then we had to get back into traffic and go back home. And oh, this is geez. This is one of those albums that helps you get to DeKalb people from Roselle. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And for people who are listening out there, you know, met maybe from Oregon or something like that, who are like, I'm the biggest fan. And you're, you're thinking, what is DeKalb? DeKalb is basically a town that you don't want to get stuck in. <laughs> it is, it's deep through the cornfields of Illinois. But but uh, that is the school, by the way. For all of our DeKalb fans, I know this is where Cindy Crawford went to school because anytime we had to go in the school, we would look for her picture up in the, I think she was a cheerleader, and we'd look for her picture up inside of the school. Really? It's there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What well, was? I don't know if it is. Man. I'm sure it still is now. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Man. And I, I don't think any picture of Cindy there... Crawford's ever been taken down. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> wasn't it, it? It was her. It was didn't Jenny McCarthy go there too? Oh one time? gosh, I thought she was. I think she might be Aurora, but I'm not. I'm not okay. sure. Maybe it's possible. Yeah, because I, I remember there. It was her, and then somebody else famous from went to NIU, and uh, and yeah, then, yeah, Northern Illinois is that. there. Um, this would this would have been the high school, but yeah, yeah, that was. Oh, uh, the, she went to the high school. She went to the high school. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. a lot of cornfields. At least there were then. I'm sure it's all Jimmy John's and Starbucks now. But uh. <laughs> all right, let's dive into the next song and going to school with Cindy Crawford wouldn't be very normal and uh let's dive just <laughs> into our next song and it's called Atarexa Atarexia yeah absolutely <laughs> and normal like you come on it's a newsman you just say it with confidence you think I know how to you pronounce half those names that I say in the newscast <laughs> say was, it with confidence and everyone will believe you I was uh, you know I, cause I I like sitting in the newsroom because this is where we record this episode a little bit behind the scenes we record this episode in a podcast suite in the newsroom and um, I always I hear you you know do your reports and everything like that I'm like how does he even know how to say that and then you, you'll report it and then be like oh by the way it was I was totally off it's actually Lightfoot yeah. you know I, I couldn't think of anything yeah it's um that's a challenge with a lot of names you've never heard before a lot of names that look similar but they're different mm-hmm. speaking of which what's the name of the singer of this band <laughs> art alexakis there we go <laughs> you got it we were practicing that a little we bit were. or at least i was by the way the key if you ever want to know someone's name is to look up in youtube and see if a that person's done an interview before where they've been introduced or b see if there is someone with a similar name who you can kind of use <laughs> or do you ever like do the dictionary thing where you just hit it and it's just like and the name is no alexakis no because the one thing i've learned is that they'll give those to you in british mm-hmm. you know oh. sometimes and you'd be like well wait a minute what an american say it like that <laughs> so this is funny because uh this is one of the only songs uh on the album that has an insert of uh, just spoken word and it actually comes from this thing called the relaxed wife and i'll have to do a little bit of research to find out what the relaxed wife was but now you're hearing the fact that we maybe not will have the highest quality of sound for this yeah. this is recorded off of youtube by our good friend sarah who um thank you for putting this on here but this is a little bit more uh, harsh on the ears at the moment a little tinny it's a little tinny that's a, that's a, a good radio a, term for yeah it. yeah it's a little tinny so let's dive uh past this song real quick i'm okay. sure it's an amazing song uh, normal like you sure <laughs> and go right into come on one of one of the ultimate this- songs from everclear i will buy you a new life this is one of the anchors of this album, and a great video to go along with it as well. Yeah, we get the opportunity to watch these videos and see Art with his beautiful blonde flowing locks that we all remember from the 90s. <laughs> think uh, we could pull off that look now? It's a little, little, little Eminem. See, a little, uh, what is it, what do, what do we call that? Flavor saver? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's cool because he does, oh man, he does the really thin goatee that's uh, straight down the middle. Dark goatee, bright blonde hair. He does look a lot like Eminem. That was like he the does. look for 1997. You know what though? I mean, it's it's the blonde hair. I mean, I'm sure you could you could change his hair and he'd look like uh, Dave Grohl too from that era. You know I mean? Or the video that we were watching with his uh, his interview, uh, Mitch McConnell. Yeah. You know what? It's like if we took that picture and we aged him with that new face app, <laughs> yeah. he would look like Mitch McConnell. Exactly. Well, actually, he does right now. So. Oh, jeez, Louis. So in this music video, this is another one of those uh, songs that when we were diving into this album and you, you mentioned you wanted to do it, I was looking at the lyrics last night for mm-hmm. it. It's a song about a girl breaking up with a guy and yeah. like hiding behind his back and stuff. And it's like, and and like him like going through this tumultuous relationship that uh, you didn't. I, I thought Everclear was a band from Southern California. Everything was very sun sunshiny and and delightful. But it ended up that's not the way it was. That's not what was going through Art Alexakis's mind. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah, no, you know, it's, and this got so much radio play, and I think it, it kind of spanned genres. I mean, let's face it, growing up uh, listening to alternative rock I- in Chicago, you're probably listening to the then Q101, right? I yeah. Mean, and this would get yes. played. But yes. this would also get play on The Mix, or, you know, some of these other stations, mm-hmm. 94.7 The Zone, anyone remember that one? I totally. I had a zone. Uh, uh, what is it? The decal hanging on my window. Probably still to this day. Really? Yes. I mean, it, it, it spanned multiple radio stations. So if you're flipping through the dial when you're 17 years old, you'd probably hear it pop up. Maybe even on one of the pop stations. You know? I can see James Van Ostel spinning this right now. It's James Van Ostel's is yeah. He uh, 
There's a lot of music uh, that uh, I listen to with him uh, as the DJ, and mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the ones that I was thinking about when you when you approached me. You know, I, I was I had him kind of in mind with that. Who was your like go to DJ or go to radio station when you were 17 and this album was it, out? It was Q101. Yeah. I mean, James Van Osdell. Uh, he's now referred to as Whip, but Brian the Whipping Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, how about this? Uh, my senior year in high school, uh, maybe it was junior year in high school, uh, a young Bill and Wendy. Mm. Wendy and Bill show in the morning. So they were the morning show back in. They back were the, in the morning day, show, and I would wake up to them. And I specifically remember um, the, the, all the bits they would do. I mm-hmm. would remember their farewell. I mean, I, it's it's unbelievable when I get to go and do the news with that because I'm like, yeah. these, these, this is the duo that I listened to, you know, in high school. And they don't want me to bring it up too much because we're we're now you know 20 years plus beyond <laughs> that. But but still, you know, Different I mean, time. I remember I remember I would listen to the end of their show. And I would listen to their, they had this big, long Simpsons farewell at the end of it. And uh, then I'd go downstairs and make myself some cereal and watch uh, The Price is Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that would be like Summer Ryan, you know, high school Summer Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a job, but I didn't have to be there early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the adults worked the day shift. They put the kids in at the night shift at Walgreens when I worked oh, at Walgreens. Oh, you worked at Walgreens? Okay. I worked at Walgreens. I umpired um, mm-hmm. baseball games. So. I remember uh, that the umpire gig was a sweet gig. Yeah. Because... Uh, as like a 13 year old you can make like 20 bucks an hour sure and um you just and get screamed most... at by some adults and yeah. have to deal with hot hot temperatures occasionally <laughs> and the occasional double header <laughs> and i remember it was it was so funny because you're sitting there and even as like a 14 13 year old or like however old you need to be i remember when you were 16 at the time that's when you could do all the the mustang and bronco league games which is the older kids yeah. games which now looking back at it i'm like oh man that was that was so long ago and i'm so old but <laughs> But when you were when you could do that, it's funny because your biggest like complaint of the day would be, oh, this this kid didn't get to play enough, or he was not tagged out. I'm like, all of them are going 0.1 miles an hour yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. to this base. There is not a lot of uh, not a lot of shining stars in this crowd, I suppose. I remember having one kid. He probably was like seven eight years old uh, on a pitch I called a strike. He turned around, looked at me, and said, "You've got to be kidding me." <laughs> And I, I was floored. I mean, granted, I was probably 15, 16 years old. But to have an eight-year-old turn around and say that to me, I told him, turn around. Get back in the batter's box. You should have just thrown him out or, like, you know, did the old dust up with your feet or something. Yeah. Too. You're out of here. I, I remember one time. I mean, and, and usually the parents are pretty cool and they're trying to give you water and Gatorade and stuff like that. But I remember one time uh, double, having a double header and um, between games. It was just hot and dusty, and it was a Saturday, and you know the middle of the day. And I just remember between games, laying down uh, like in the shade and just dying, like yeah. not being able to move almost between games. And then thinking to myself, how am I going to summon the strength to to do the second? It, it worked. Some people came over and gave me some food, so it, <laughs> so it, it worked like out. Dying. But my gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it's it's so funny um, because oh man, I, I was right there with you, and that was in Roselle. That was in Roselle. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive right back into the album. Um, this is an interesting thing because now I'm looking at the album layout. This was a time at the near the end of the 90s when there was a lot of up in the air of what we're going to do. Like, Are we going to go with albums? Are we going to go with cassettes or CDs? I mean, we knew something different was going to happen with the way we listen to music. But I'm looking at this CD and a lot of the hits are right smack dab crammed into each other so um we get to the seventh song one hit wonder um and that's when i think it splits off into almost a b-side uh of the album because right now the next song is father of mine which is their other big hit yeah and this was obviously calculated the way that they laid out this album but it's interesting to see that they do this now oh come on an amazing song that kid's been in things hasn't he wait who's that kid in the music video is Beans from Even Stevens. That's, is that who he is? That is who is in the Father of Mine music video. And it, and this is uh, Santa Monica Pier? It has to be. You know, I, I think one of the things that, that made Everclear so appealing, and one of the things that makes some pop stars more appealing than others, is the fact that the words are pretty understandable. I mean, you mm-hmm. understand it. He's telling you a story and you're you're able to hear it. Sometimes, you know, they play with words a little bit and they change words and we all know songs that we don't know the correct lyrics to, but 
this this seems pretty obvious. I yeah. mean, you know. You know, that's a really good point that you mentioned because I, I kind of gravitate towards more narrative-based songs. I mean, I was, grew up listening to the Beatles when I was young, and I love how they would kind of take you through a story. And you're right. The, the Father of Mine, is, it's very easy to, to walk through. I mean, walk through your wasted life and you don't see me. Oh, that cuts yeah. deep, man, to the core. But you can understand it as a kid and as an adult. And I think that's, that's why these songs really last a lifetime they're kind of timeless um as opposed to songs like you know power of love and from the 80s and stuff 90s music had this weird weird grungy vibe and uh you know we were talking about nirvana in the in the beginning of the uh the podcast where the songs meant a little bit more like it wasn't it wasn't looked down upon to get a little deep with that with inside yourself out of coming through uh the 80s with all this great pop music yeah you know and they were I felt that the birth of the alternative movement, I mean, obviously we, we focus on the Soundgardens and the Nirvanas and things like that, and those are the anchors, right? Mm-hmm. But then you had all these kind of spin-off different sounds. I mean, uh, you know, Everclear, I think, fits in there. Now, it might be a little poppier than some of those others. You know, you had some of your, your, your one-hit wonders that were mixed in there. You get a Weezer mixed in there. Where does Red Hot Chili Peppers fit? You know, I mean, yeah. you've, got, you've got a lot of different sounds coming from that area. And there was that space. There was space for them to exist. Now, I'm sure there were a lot that, that got squashed pretty early. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, you, you uh, had a no doubt in there. You had, you know. Well, I, how I, about Aqua with Barbie Girl? <laughs> But I mean, think think about 1997 Q101 and and those different sounds that you're going to hear from Soundgarden to this, Mm -hmm. to um, Third Eye Blind. I mean, which at that point was considered alternative. I mean, you know, it's they they really crammed a lot of different sounds into there. You know, that's that's interesting because something about 1994 to the uh, to early 2000s that was some really great great music, and I think. You know, it's almost like the, it was like our 60s, like people who are 20 to 40 years old. It was like their 60s because that's when all the best bands, there was something just in the water at that time. Yeah. And I think it comes from, like you said, rock radio because it was so important that people were sitting around your, their radio still listening to these songs. I would sit by my radio all day to just catch the top nine at nine yeah. on Q101 yep. and record all those songs. And I'm like, this is what I'll be listening to for the next week. Yeah, no, exactly. And and there, there, there was the space. And I think alternative rock at that time and to some extent now... Um, now I'm older and, and, and looking, you know, more uh, critically at it. But um, I, I feel like like they allowed the space because they allowed. I mean, my God, Q101 used to play Metallica, and mm-hmm. then they play Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and then they and then they'd play, you know, so, no doubt. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, think about those different sounds and the different people that those that might show up to those concerts, but they were all living in that space together. Absolutely, uh, you you made me think of this one song that they would play on repeat, and I I have to look it up um, because I can't remember the name of it. But do you remember the song? I will never be your woman. Oh yeah, uh, it was Crazy Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, I, it's Crazy Town. I don't think or White, oh, White Town. Town. White, White Town. Town. I'm sorry, White White, White Town. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a crazy yeah. song. Uh, this song I think was played on Q101 more times than any song's been played on any other radio <laughs> station in the universe. But think about that. Chemical Brothers were involved there. Yeah. Prodigy was involved in, in all of that in all of that music as well. I mean, like that is a lot of different. I mean, you you think about those those concerts and then you think about mixing all of those people. Yeah, Tool. Yeah, Tool would be in there too, you know. And then you get like Default, and you'd get Eagle Eye Cherry, oh and my you'd gosh. get you know you'd get all of these. Told the Wet Sprocket would be mixed in there. Yes. I mean, you'd have all of these different sounds and all of these different people and genres. I think the one thing about Everclear is it had kind of a little bit of of all of those styles in there, and that may have been what drew me to it because it wasn't the lyrics. Look, I, this is this the, what he pours out in this album is is his heart and soul and mm-hmm. a, a rough childhood and rough relationships and. I was 17 years old. I had an experience. I, li- I lived. A, I, I had a very good childhood. Mm-hmm. But you know, every day you've got your weepy days when mm-hmm. you don't get along, or when you're not going to play, or when you're not getting along with people, and you you take these words and they mean so much more to you, you know, than than <laughs> they probably did. But 
you know, I mean, it was just, it, it was being able to, to listen to him sing that and, and know, you know, people have these, these hard feelings and, you know, it's okay. And you can still take these hard feelings and they can still have kind of a poppy sound to them, you know? Yeah. It's, he makes it very, you're, you're spot on. And by the way, can we just applaud Ryan for listing all those bands from the nineties right there? Thank that you. is a news man. That is a, that is a news centric brain. Right yeah. There to recall those events. Yeah. You know, I've, I've still got, and my kids have been going through it. So I've got my, uh, my CDs are still in one of those binders. Yes. You know? We used to call and that the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got that and they'll pull it out every now and again. I'll let them listen to it. You know, they'll be smashing pumpkins or something like that in there. And I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. The other albums I'm like, no, 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 What are the the no go albums? Well, you know, I'm not ready to introduce them to uh battle of Los Angeles yet from, uh, uh from, Rage Against Rage, the Machine. Yeah. It was a great concert I went to. And once again, I love wow. the music, but it's like, that's not me. I'm not I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to live that life. But damn it, if in my Saturn SC, I didn't have that thing, you know, bumping <laughs> through the streets of Bloomingdale, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to the Best Buy in Bloomingdale to buy my next <laughs> album. Oh, man, we are dating ourselves. Best Buy, does Best Buy, is, is that still around? Uh, yeah, Best Buy is so still around. Okay. The, the, the records are not. Yeah. Have you ever been in a position where you had two CDs that you were trying to decide between mm-hmm. and, and you made a decision and you wish you would have maybe made the other decision? Oh, uh, all all the time. Okay. It always came down to, I, I always only had 15 bucks yep. on a good day and CDs were 15 bucks and it was always, I'd always be like, Hmm. Should I get like, uh, like Weird Al, or, or should I get like the uh, this like new like indie deep song, sure. like like the new great album, like Lauren Hill or something? That everyone's talking about, but I just don't get yet. Yeah. I don't understand behind it, and I'd be like. It's gonna be Weird Al, or some, some. It's gonna be some other album that has one pop song that I, I've heard on the radio and that I'm into the, for that week, and I miss out on it. Yeah, that happened yeah. all the time. How about you? Yeah, no, I I can think of one where I had Creed in one hand and Our Lady of Peace in the other, uh-huh. and I went with Our Lady of Peace, and then I was regretting it because Creed had that run there for a while that was pretty good, and then oh, yeah. and then we learned Scott Stepp was. I don't know. He had that yeah. problem at the Chicago show and everything just kind of <laughs> fell apart after that. And I, I was happy even though even though the Our Lady of Peace only had like one or two hits off of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it was still Superman? Was that a yep. Superman's yep. dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Our Lady Peace. You know, all these bands just remind me of being young and going to Summerfest in Milwaukee. Yeah. Because those were the only places I could see those songs. But like I mentioned before, skip the one-hit wonder and go to the albums that will truly last a lifetime. That, could, that brings us to our next song. Which is? One-hit one wonder. One-hit wonder, yeah. <laughs> oh, see? It's so funny that these intros are so synonymous with Everclear. <laughs> This is going to be the weirdest thing to say, but I still like the 90s look. Like, I still, I'm probably just, like, frozen in time. Like, sometimes I'll walk into the newsroom here, Mm -hmm. and, like, Charmed will be on for some reason, because, I don't know, someone left TBS Mm -hmm. on, and I'll be watching Charmed, I'll be like, I miss that look. Everyone look at the way they looked. I don't know why. It's it's a very distinct kind of... uh, it's just you, so ubiquitous now that you forget that at a time this was a very hip look. Yeah. To wear tight t-shirts. To And then for the guys to wear very flowy t-shirts, very flowy pants. Except for Art. He needs some pretty tight pants in it, I suppose. <laughs> um, great bright colors all the time. And the girls would cinch back their hair with those little tiny barrettes that would yeah, be... Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it was a good time to be alive in the 90s. I, I think so. I th- <laughs> what do you think What do you think about the, the state of music today? I mean, are kids missing out on the kind of, uh, I guess, wealth of, of feelings and and really picking up a CD? Is, is that really worth it? Are we, or do we make too much of it? I, I don't know. You know, I, I felt like... You know, when I was going, when I when I first started getting into music, and probably probably the the early '90s to mid '90s, when you kind of you kind of all of a sudden make that flip, like, oh, I don't just have to listen to my parents' music anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked it, but you know, I don't have to listen to that anymore. Mm-hmm. And the big the big music portion. No, that's oh, this a, is part of the part, <laughs> part of the music video song. <laughs> the, in the music video, they're they're going through a talent show type contest, and uh, with Wink Martindale, and they awkwardly stop. They, this is they're not getting. Anything. There we go. There we okay, go. Yeah, kicking that drum solo. <laughs> it's like we don't care about your rules. 
But it's so different the way they consume music. The way I consume music, the way you might have consumed music is the first thing I did when I realized, you know what, I like this genre of music. I'd like to get, I'd like to purchase some music from this genre. Mm-hmm. It was because of the BMG and Columbia House CDs, right? You yes. get your You get your 13 CDs for one cent. Now, I ended up doing the math and you end up spending about $7. But they did force feed albums to you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there were albums in there that you got because that's all that was available to yeah. you. That's why so many of us ended up with the Shaq Diesel CD in our collection. <laughs> You know, but but I really wanted mm-hmm. Stone Temple Pilots, and I really mm-hmm. wanted Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I would put up with the fact that I was, you know, getting five albums that I was kind of, eh, you know, yeah. not so hot on because I knew I was getting these two that I really liked. And financially, it wasn't a great deal for me, but that also introduced me and forced me to, to listen to music, you know, kind of in a different way. And then you expanded out a little bit. Oh, they don't offer this, so now I'm going to go to Sam Goody. Now I'm going to go to Best Buy and get mm-hmm. and get that that album. You that know. is so funny because it was almost a lesson in buying CDs and finding your own type of music going through that Columbia House and BMG. I, I totally, totally forgot about the, those uh, those things you'd get in the mail. And it was just a, a, like a laundry list of CDs you can purchase. And you'd, you'd fill in the little bubble yep. and then you'd write your name down and, and you'd be like, Mom or Dad, can I have your credit card number or can I give a check yeah. to send to them? I used to do that all the time. And I think that's how I built up my collection too. Exactly. I totally forgot that I used to do and, that. And, and, the, and the thing about that was is you would end up getting you'd end up having to pay on the back end for the shipping oh, yeah. and handling, right? Oh, here's your free album or your one set album, uh, one mm-hmm. cent CD for. Oh, but you have to pay us eight dollars in shipping costs. You know, I mean, they <laughs> they weren't they weren't in it to lose money. Although I think eventually they did end up losing money. But yeah. my kids don't consume music that way anymore. They don't go mm-hmm. to the store to buy their music anymore. They don't mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of it they just find online. Mm-hmm. Or you know, my son's still kind of young, so he's he, my my daughter's getting more and more into you know the pop music. She mm-hmm. went to Taylor Swift. She went to Sean Mendez or Sean Mendez is her big thing right now. But you know, she's, she's 11, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you'd expect. Oh, know? that's what the 11 year olds are listening to these days. No I wonder guess, they sell out no. so many like albums or so many stadiums. Oh, I asked now. my wife cause she took her to the Sean Mendez concert. I said, was it all girls? Like all girls. Wow. It was all like, you know, nine to 18 year old girls at Sean Mendez. Yeah, man. I, it, do they sell beer at those shows or anything? God, I hope so. <laughs> because I'm thinking about all the so. poor parents that need to go to those shows. Yeah, it's um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because when I would go, when I was talking about going to Summerfest and finding these bands, because it'd be a festival, I need to walk by these bands, and I'd be like, oh, you know, this is the it's the Benjamins are playing. I'm like, I need to go find their CD now. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first uh, concert you went to, Ryan? Yep, first concert. Uh, it was Rosemont Horizon now Allstate Arena, Bush and Veruca Salt. Oh my! So you you came Razor out of the Blade suitcase. Jeez. Yeah. So you went into it like liking some good. Yeah. Bands. No, I was I was 16, 17 years old at the time. I was a little bit older before I kind of, you know, started hitting the concert scene. My daughter's now going to concerts at 11, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, you had to scrap music, you had to scrap some money together, but that was the first one where it's like, hey, I'm going to get a friend, we're going to get into a car, we're going to figure out how to navigate Cumberland to get to, or Higgins Road to get to, uh, um, you know, Rosemont Horizon, and, and we're going to get there. Did you have to print out the MapQuest directions um, to get there? I'm sure I did. I'm oh sure I gosh. did. I had so many It was probably a pretty straight shot from Roselle, but I'm pretty sure I got lost. I still have a hard time getting out of that place. I can never figure out how to get out of Allstate <laughs> Arena and get on the interstate. <laughs> Let's get into the CD again. And I keep calling it CD because I feel like I'm That's back in the is. 90s. This song's moment. awesome, by the way. El Distorto de Melodica. Grammy nominated, by the way. You're not going to hear any lyrics to this song. Yeah, it's all this instrumental. It's all instrumental. And this is a song that was frequented on Free Rock Zone, my radio show. Really? This would be the background music that I had for my college radio show while I was, you know, talking up something or, you know, this would be the music that I'd play in the background. This no and I'd way. have Beastie Boys. Yeah, this is one of them here. Now, when did you get your first radio show? Uh, would have been, you know, when I started in radio, would have been sophomore year. I was broadcasting um, soccer and baseball. And then eventually I'm like, I'd like to have my own radio show. So by junior year, I got my own radio show and actually became the... Um, uh, promotions director and then by wow. senior year senior years when 9-11 happened I became the news director but I always had my rock radio show I had I started out with free rock lounge and I changed it to free rock zone I don't know why I just thought maybe it was a cooler cooler word but uh yeah this this was one this is music that uh 
I would put in the background when I was talking to someone or talking up something. Did you always go by Ryan Burrow, or did yeah. you go by like Rowdy Ryan? No, Burrow or no, no, Ryan like, Burrow. Ruckus Ryan Burrow. The nice thing is, is that you know, a, a lot of college radio, you know, you got to kind of work yourself up to you know being. Um, uh, you know, in one of those prime slots in the evenings. And um, because I was so integrated into the radio station and was doing so many different things with managing and doing sports, they gave me a pretty sweet slot. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was in the evenings. I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. And yeah, I'd play songs like this, play albums like this, some of the men- some of the ones that I mentioned. Jeez. Um, yeah. This is very Bush-esque, this, this kind is. of band. You know, we looked at the album by Sugar Ray. Sugar, Sugar Ray. Ray. Yeah. And with Ashley uh, Byhun, and that was an amazing dive into an album that I I really had never listened to, never wanted to listen to, but then I, I got done with it, and I'm like, this is a different band than I thought it was, because you, you listen to bands like Sugar Ray, and you're like, okay, poppy, um, kind of uh, hip-hoppy, but yeah. kind of phony, like, in that kind of sense, but phony in a good way, where it's like, they're. Tr- I felt like they were trying to do something that they weren't... Nor- they weren't used to. It felt a little bit like what's behind all of it. Then I looked back into their history. They used to be a heavy metal band. Sure. Like screaming and like heavy, heavy sound. And then they just turned into this great, great like California pop band. You need, it's So I, I can imagine Everclear starting out as, you know, something bigger than they sure. were. Uh, Some 41 started out as a Bush cover band. Some forty one started. Wow. Yeah. And now and now there now there are people covering them. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. This is. I, I like this. I might use this for the opening. Uh, there you go. It's all yours. Just... Free of charge. You might want to talk to Art about it. But oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, Art. <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into our next song then, real quick. That is a. Man, yeah, you got to fade so it out. That's the key. That's the key when you're doing a radio show to fade it out until you can hit the hit the uh, the next song or or the uh, the commercial, commercial break. break. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the commercial break, break at Valparaiso University was for the uh, the hot dogs, Red Hot Hot Dogs. That was one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, Red Hot Hot Dogs. Blythe Sports Shop. Gosh, I wonder if Blythe Sports Shop is still there. Blythe Sports Shop? Blythe Sports Shop, yeah. You know, when I when I was at DePaul, our uh, commercials was just PSAs for a little bit. Yeah, it was like most online. of ours were. Yeah. But I remember there was a great one where NSYNC would talk about epilepsy. Ah, okay. Did you hear that one? No, we had a lot of the don't drink and drive. There was, a, you know, an Aerosmith one. Uh, that that I know would just play constantly. Was that because, one of your favorites? Well, it was like the only Everyone one that has was their rock favorites. affiliate, right? <laughs> I mean, that was the only one. And I didn't really play Aerosmith, but I'm like, they're kind of in the genre, you know, mm-hmm. they, it kind of works. Man, I remember when I was, uh, I was like, had the, sorry, I'm getting a little off track because I remember this memory so vividly, but I had the biggest crush on this girl who worked at Woodfield Mall um, and she worked at Pacific Sunwear. Okay. And I was like, again, I was like 16 years sure. old and she was in college and I thought that was so old, but she had a radio show at DePaul University Really? and I would listen to it nonstop. And now looking back, I thought that she had thousands of listeners because mm-hmm. like, she's at DePaul. This is a big college. Now knowing what I know about college radio, I was probably the only listener to that I, show. I know. And I'm, I remember one time she was giving out a Fall Out Boy CD as like a prize and I won it and I called in and she's like, wow, you won. So we have a caller. And she was like so excited. I'm like, yeah, could you send it? Never sent it. Never sent it. Never sent it. Because she was only it 18 meant to years be. old. It wasn't <laughs> meant to be, obviously. I'll have to track her down. Yeah, you'll have to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's interesting CD. because I wonder how that works now because most of... You know, the on-air signal is so invaluable now to a mm-hmm. lot of people, the actual physical signal, which, you know, reached a lot of the campus communities. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, you could be in your dorm room and listen to it. And I was at a time when people were making that transition. Everyone had Winamp then. And Win they, could, they could yes. download, they could, they had access to all the songs that they could possibly want. And, you know, I may have put some of those on CDs and put them out over the air, mm-hmm. you know, which probably is uh, not allowed, but uh, it was a weird time. It was a different time, people. <laughs> I think you're in safe harbor. Yeah, yeah prob- this probably. Time. Yeah, the, the, the statute of limitations is passed, but um, you know the, the uh, you know the way that the music is consumed now. I mean, it's weird though because I have never bought music since CDs. I don't really put music on iPads or anything. Or I yeah, I don't really. buy I don't buy music. I just don't. I've always listened to the radio. I just always have, and I've always relied on radio stations. In fact, on my phone, what I'll do is I'll pull up when I'm not listening to WGN. Of course, I will pull up um, you know. 
uh, radio stations, whether they're locally or or you know abroad. But I will let them basically tell me the music, and and that's kind of copping out, I guess. And I know a lot of my big music friends are like, "Oh, you just listened to it because it was on that radio station." But I don't know. I, it kind of takes some of the guesswork out of it. Tell me some of the good music. Bring it forth to me. I'll listen to it. You know, it's very unhipster of you, Ryan. It is very unhipster. I've I've never that. said that I was a hip guy. That's and everyone listening on the audio version, Ryan has thick black glasses on right yes, now. Yeah. A Hawaiian shirt. Uh, yeah. He has that little buzz cut where his hair kind of slicks back. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah. I don't yeah. get it. It's yeah. so all tatted up. You. Yeah. <laughs> all tatted up. <laughs> Got a giant neck mm-hmm. tattoo of the mm-hmm. zone. And it, exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right, let's dive into our next song, Amphetamine. Um, so you, we were talking about the production of this album, and since you are a newsman and you do speak with confidence, there's a lot of producers who actually came to create this album, and I wondered if you could read them real fast oh, boy. down here <laughs> in order, and you can just go by names. Okay. Neil Avron, Tom Bankhart, Mike Baumgartner, Stephen Birch, Ian Blanche, Nick Brophy, Lars Fox, David Freelander, Krista Gaylord, Bill Jackson, Bob Ludwig, oh boy, here we go, Frank Ockenfels, Ronnie Rivera, Jim Rondellini, Kenneth Van Derten, and Andy Wallace. That wasn't so bad. I got a lot of pleasure from hearing you read that. There you go. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, without a single stutter, without a single stop. Yeah, Ryan Burrow. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So a lot of uh, but, but his basically. name is Arts Alex <laughs> Alexakis. Alex, we're making Alexa go every time we say that Alexa lights up. Alexakis. <laughs> Alexakis. There we go. So much for the after goal. So oh, go ahead. His he actually my understanding is he is the band. Oh yeah, yeah. He it's he, it's him. It's him and now. there are many different versions out there, but it's always him. It's always been him. He's had a few, like, it, on this album, listen to this. For so much for the Afterglow, the band is Art Alexakis playing banjo, guitar, mandolin, piano, steel guitar, keyboards, vocal, producer, vocal arrangement, horn arrangement, string arrangements, cover art concept, cover design, and toy piano. Shout toy out piano, toy piano. Yeah, and then yeah. the two other members, Greg uh, Eklund and Craig Montoya, mandolin. You know they're playing the other the other stuff. But holy smokes, he takes it all on himself. It's, it's very like, Dave Grohl esque, isn't it? I mean that's kind of yeah. that's kind of how he operates. I mean the, the Foo Fighters are a band and they appear together, but really it's it's Dave Grohl's baby. I, it's incredible. The more and more I hear about Dave Grohl's history, uh, the amount of work that he puts into his music and just the production yeah. stuff and. You know, you're just some people are just built with that inside of them. They're just a machine for music, and he's one of those guys. I mean, I just did. We just did uh, the format too. Nate Roos, who's this okay. singing machine. I mean, he just built to play music. You couldn't be like, oh, remember Nate Roos, the carpenter? Yeah. <laughs> Art, remember Art Alexis, like the uh, the railroad trucker? Or yeah, I don't know. It no, just wouldn't make sense. This is this is his job. This is what he lives for. And you know, I always I always wonder too. You know what the the lifespan of bands is so interesting, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they they appear for a while, but that's their job, that's their profession. So yeah. when when the when the crowds go away and they can't fill the stadiums anymore, and you start finding the smaller venues, and then all of a sudden you're at the county fairs, mm-hmm. right? And I just looked them up, and I saw they're going to be at Terre Haute at the Indiana. There's going to be an Indiana State Fair. Well, at least Art's going to be there uh, performing. And it's like, you know that you know we pick him up and we put. We put him in 1997, and yeah. he's at, you know, Allstate Arena, or he's, you know, in one of these big venues playing with 311 and, and you know, someone else. And now it's, you it's know, just, you hey, play- look who's coming to town. You know, he's, he's actually playing in the community festival. How do you stay humble or, or what kind of mindset do you even carry with you to go from that kind of fame and then go into, well, now I'm playing in a room of 20 people? I, I mean, do you, I'm guessing you just... I'm hoping that you're just happy about those experiences that they happen to you in your life. I think that I think that you come to some hard realizations at some points, whether mm-hmm. it's your second album or your third album, when you realize I can't keep up this pace. Mm-hmm. I can't keep up, you know, that I can't stay in the radio billboard top, whatever. I just I can't do it, you mm-hmm. know. And so you try to find your little niche audience and try to ride that as long as you can, and then hope that someone out there will patch you together with people who are similar. Yeah. And um, just last summer, my wife and I went to. 
to side outs. Do you know where side outs is? I do, I do know side outs. It's funny you say that because um, Motley Crue's Vince Neil is about yep. to go there, and mm-hmm. this is right on the same page of what we're talking about. Yeah, so I know side outs. Yes. So last year it was Gin Blossoms. Tonic and um, oh, there was one more. Who am I missing? Gin Blossoms, Tonic. It'll it'll come to me. There was one more band that performed, and it's like you know what? We're gonna we're gonna pair all these three bands together and make people remember, you know, and let them play their seven songs or <laughs> whatever. And Vertical, Vertical Horizon. Horizon. <laughs> Vertical Horizon, who by the way is the most in the closet. <laughs> Religious group of all time. If you ask them whether or not their music really? is, uh, you know, uh, uh, is is leaning to Christian rock, they will always say no. But if you listen to their lyrics, they're all very spiritual, and I, I don't know why they why they're doing that. But I mean, just come out, huh. man. Just come out and say it. It's not like you're going to lose fans. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think enough time has passed where they got newfound oh, glories coming there. I I will gladly go to any newfound glory show no there matter where they're playing. They could be playing in like at Rossi's here in Chicago. I'd go and see them. What do you think about that crap of? Uh, of uh, I know you were at Garth Brooks, but that was not a dive bar, man. <laughs> Joe's on Wheat Street no. was not a dive bar. No, and then hearing him say, kept continually saying how much it was a dive bar, actually offended me. A I little know. Bit. It's like wait a minute. This is like one of the nicest bars. It's like the premier country music location in yeah. all of Chicago. And he, he kept saying, he's like, you know, I love playing little dive bars like this. I mean, and, and the I'm place like, fits like 4,000 people. I'm I mean, like, the sound system you're playing on at least was $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> I and I say that because I host an open mic at a semi-dive bar. Yeah. And, my, and I play from a stick PA system that literally costs 200 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I know dive bar. And that was no dive no, bar. That, no. was, that was so funny because... Out of all the places you'd want to play, I mean, I get it. That that place is gorgeous. I mean, it's spotless, and it, it packs the place every single night. But that some of the greatest country names ever have gone through those sure. doors, and they sell out. I mean, it's a thousand seat dive yeah, bar. Yeah, exactly. I think that exists. Well, it's like saying you're a garage band and playing in a in a garage that's at the Indy 500. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like that doesn't fit what you're what you're saying. You know, it, it does not work. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. It was a great show, though. I mean, Garth Brooks, he's 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 one of the best, but he kept saying dive bar, and I, like, I was so confused because I'm like, wait a minute. I just paid like 15 bucks for this whiskey Coke. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I paying that. Well, and I heard, I heard one of the criticisms I heard, too, is this dive bar has, a, has an attendant in the bathroom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, not many dive bars have the attendant yeah. in the bathroom. So have you ever been to side outs before? I have never been to side outs. You will enjoy it. It is a, a, a great facility, huge bar. They've got uh, basically the concert venue is on beach volleyball courts, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you beach volleyball players hate that. All these people and these, you know, are going and, and enjoying these bands and drinking and smoking and doing all that. But I enjoyed the venue a lot, and you can kind of break away if you don't want to be close to the crowd. But, um, Two words for you, surge pricing. So mm. if you're going to Uber there, just beware because after a show, everyone wants to get out of, what is it, Round Lake or whatever? Island Lake. Island Lake. Everyone's trying to get out of Island Lake at, uh, you know, 1130 and, and Uber surge pricing is ridiculous. Or to get home, it was like have... $120 for me and I only live like 20 miles away from it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Do they have a big Uber population in Island Lake? No, but for you Uber drivers out there, Motley <laughs> Crue is going to be performing... <laughs> Uh, speak to them directly. We have a, we have a big spe- Uber contingent we that need listens you, to our we show. Need, we need more Uber and Lyft vehicles out in Island. Is it Island Lake? Is that what we're saying? In mm-hmm. Island Lake for these shows. <laughs> Because otherwise, everyone is paying $100. Um, you might make some money. Let's just put it that way. So get your cars ready. Head out to Island Lake for one of these shows, Newfound Glory, because you're going to make some dough. You might also have to drive people to St. Charles. Who knows? <laughs> oh, no. Dearie me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into our next song, White Men in Black Suits. Uh, that is so, so crazy that that he's going to, or that you got to see those bands play at Side Out. Is that like a... How big is that bar? Is it like a Joe's on Weed? Or is well, it... it's outdoor. It's an outdoor venue. Okay. So, you know, they, they've, they've got room for a lot of people. And, you know, it's 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 interesting, too. And I, I want to go back to, you know, what happens to these bands as they age out of their... They age and the audience ages, too. Yeah. So I'm looking around, you know, and if I would have seen this band in 1997, 1998, it would have <laughs> been a bunch of young, you know, 20-something-year-olds. And yeah. now... 
You're seeing a lot of, you know, maybe some balding going on, mm-hmm. you know? Tattoos are fading just They're a little fading bit. Fading a little bit. Oh, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe some, you can see some of the people who are probably your age that may have aged a little bit harder than you did, you know? Ooh, and it's yeah. like it's like these That's are my people piece. though. I mean, we all had the same experience when it was 97, 98, and now here we are. Yeah, yeah. You it, know, 20 years later, 21 years later. It's funny you say that because when I was when I go to my uh, punk shows, all of these bands are playing 10 and 15 year reunions of this of the albums that I grew up with when I was yeah. 16. I bought it for the first week it came out, and now Taking Back Sunday is playing a 10 year reunion of, oh, their, show, yeah. their, of their album. Um, and it's it's so funny because I see all the same people, and I feel like I dress differently than I dressed when I was 16 because mm-hmm. it was mainly just band T-shirts and, and hoodies. But now I go back and I see the same kind of people and I'm like, it feels like you're back in high school almost. Yeah. Because they're still in the black hoodies. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way, though, to be honest. It's, I love it. It, it. You know, it's interesting because the, the music, I mean, this song's not going to speak to my kids at all. I mean, there, there's there's a reason that, you know, it's it speaks to me because I was on the bus going to the baseball game. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the relationship you have with a song. You can't force someone to have a relationship with a song. They have to have their own kind of emotions that, that come out of it. And it is cool when you have these shows of these bands, 10 years, 15 years, because you know you're experiencing something with people who had very similar experiences as you at that moment. Now, your experiences before then and after that may be completely different, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for that moment in time, you're you're pretty similar. You were listening to the same thing. You were listening to James Van Osdell. You were listening to The Zone. Yeah. You know, you you heard Metallica followed by Beastie Boys followed by, uh, you know, Eagle Eye Cherry. Crazy Town. Followed by Crazy Town. No, Followed by Chemical Brothers. (laughs) Now, a white town. Yeah, there you go. But it's it's so true, and that's why music is the great communicator. I mean, no matter what uh, age you are, no matter what uh, style of life you live, it's always going to connect people, and that's why it's such a beautiful thing to go to a concert by yourself sometimes, because you can make friends that easy, because these people are going through the same, they're feeling the same emotions you are from this concert. You see a million people scream out the, the words to a song, you're like, I'm this is my. These are my people, yeah. like you had mentioned. It's all about being with your crowd but, when it comes to these kind of. But there bands. is a little bit of shock and awe when you see the band first take the stage and you see Gin Blossoms oh, step oh, to the yeah. microphone. At now they've got to be in their fifties, right? <laughs> and and is they're still thin guys, yeah. but you know, obviously the energy levels may may have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, we we before this, uh, you 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 flashed a picture of Art up there, and he's got to be he's he. I mean, he's got gray hair now. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's now. I from my understanding actually, is he's. <laughs> My understanding is he's dealing with MS, which, you know, I mean, but that's the thing too, you know, yeah. I mean, he survived that lifestyle and now he's dealing with things that people who are in their fifties are dealing with, you yeah. know, I mean, it's true. Just cause you're a rocker doesn't mean you're frozen in time. That's for sure. Unless you're the Rolling Stones, Unless because the Rolling Stones. you and I growing up, I mean, they've stayed pretty much. I n- only know them as the old guys who <laughs> right. rock. Like when the minute I was born, people were like, they're old, they should retire. And now going on 33 years later. They're still playing. I just saw them like a couple weeks ago, and they they were moving faster than I think the Gin Blossoms have moved sure. in the last ten years. It's interesting from a news perspective because you've got a generation of Motown that's starting to die. They're starting to mm-hmm. age and die. Aretha Franklin just died uh, last year, and you know you've got a younger group of reporters, and it's like who do we send to this? Mm-hmm. Well, we want to send someone who loves the music, but now these people are all in their seventies, and your reporters are all in their thirties and forties, and they don't yeah. get it. Now, when I mean, granted, you take a take aside the people who have died tragically, whether you go to cranberries or you know what whatever oh, yeah, you have yeah. uh, but but you know when 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 that generation starts going away your reporters who are going to cover them are they going to be the same age of the people mm. or you know i mean they would tell the best stories but they might not be your go-to people you know your younger generation is now telling the stories about the older generation of people and i found it interesting mm. listening to the stories of of aretha franklin because i'm trying to think all right who's telling this story to me is it a person who actually went and listened to aretha franklin and liked aretha franklin or is this you know 
the, the, the notes that they got for, you know, about their history. Interesting take. That's that's a really interesting concept because it is all about storytelling when it comes to talking about these artists and how do we preserve their legacy. I mean, we're, we're very the only band that I could think of that has been covered so immensely is, is the Beatles. Like there's no story that has been untold by them sure. at this point. But when you are talking about the Motown singers who are, who are dying, the only way that I really learn about these artists or I want to learn about the Eagles are through documentaries now. And these yeah. uh, these kind of storytellers are crafting how I see these bands. And usually the bands are behind it too, right? Yeah. So the oh, bands yeah. have very much say as to what was and was not going on at that time. I mean, look at the Queen biopic that they put oh, out. Yeah. I just mem- do you remember how much like uh, how much turmoil they needed to go through? And they're not going to have Sasha Baron Cohen and they can't do this because it's going to highlight Freddie too much. And, and now you get this like this perfectly crafted Disney movie, I, it seemed yeah. like, and you're like, oh, I, I didn't know that Queen was so jolly all the time. Yeah. I thought they were a little more gritty and rock and roll. So That movie had music in it. Music that we knew. <laughs> yes. I walked away from that. I'm like, that was music I've heard before. <laughs> Did you see the Elton John movie? I did not. Oh, I did not. Good. Yeah. And then I'm really looking. They're, now they're doing an Elvis one, and people are, you know, complaining. They're saying, "Well, now all the all the music biopics are coming out, and and this is oh, they're just trying to cookie cutter us." But I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is a, yeah, you're exposing a whole new generation yeah. to people. It's, but it's cool that you mentioned the fact that the, the people that are keeping music alive are the storytellers. And you were one yeah. of them, Ryan. Oh. Let's get our next song, uh, Sunflowers. What is, what is like your favorite kind of news stories to cover? Um, I, I don't mind covering sports stories. That's, that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. You know when it begins. You know when it ends. There's going to be a winner and a loser, and you pretty much know where to go. Those are the easiest ones. Um, you know, as, as, I've, as I've done this, longer and longer you know I, I get a little bit more comfortable in, in various other mm-hmm. aspects you know covering funerals covering um, you know crime and things like that uh, still not comfortable with a lot of the more tragic events and I don't think I'll ever be comfortable yeah. with the tragic events but um, you know after you've done it for a while yeah you at least you understand where you need to be and where you need to go um, but you get to cover the 2016 uh, Cubs World Series I did like probably that, my, that been... was my coolest my coolest thing ever that was uh, I even in college, I never pulled an all-nighter. I never, maybe one time, I pulled an all-nighter. But uh, the night the Cubs won the World Series, I pulled an all-nighter, and I did not have one beverage the whole time. But I had to file stories. The game didn't end till late. Went into extra innings, filed the stories on the win, filed the stories of chased the people around as they were cheering and hooting and hollering, and filed stories on that. And um, all of a sudden, it was like three, four in the morning, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget. The, the TV crews for the morning were starting to show up at Wrigley Field, so I'm like, "All right, it's it's been a long night." There was a crowd of a crowd of fans who were just cheering in front of the marquee. Yeah, and uh, a cop on a horse came up to him and goes, "Guys, there's nothing left. Just go home." And they did. They just they just <laughs> laughed. He's like, "It's all over. Go home." Yeah. And so then I I stuck around with the TV people because the buses were supposed to come, mm. and uh, the team was going to arrive from Cleveland on the buses. And wow. when they arrived, I I um, they didn't really speak. And I was I had gone 24 hours at that point. So I took I remember driving back to the radio station and seeing Dave Ennett getting ready for his sports cast mm-hmm. for the for for Steve Cochran show and thinking, man, oh man. So I went through till about 11 o'clock that morning, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, Bertrand's like, you got to get out of here. He's like, you're exhausted. Get out of here. <laughs> He's been drained. Yeah, yeah. So when and then I didn't really remember the game, so I went home and I actually rewatched the game because I wanted to because I felt mm. like I was so busy thinking about mm-hmm. okay who am I going to talk to what am I going to cover as opposed to you know actually you know watching the game and understanding how how everything took place with the rain delay and everything like that ah uh, that you know I remember recording that game too and watching it back once or twice yeah it was, it was just so so. It was it was much like the CD that we're listening to. Oh, okay. It was all cheery. Yes, and it made yeah. me so happy just just watching back and listening to it. By the way, the end of this album is a lot more cheery and upbeat than I thought it was going to be. It's a lot better than um, I figured. I thought it was going to get a little bit more uh, uh, like the very B side, like I, I don't trash think there are any swears songs. in this either. I think it's a pretty clean album, as far as I know. 
Yeah, I, well, I mean, let's, let's dive into some of the stuff they got to do. Is two times platinum certification by, uh, by RIAA in 1998, 2016, the independent record label Intervention Records released the 20th anniversary back in 2016, and it's just, it stands as one of their best albums to date, and this is the song Sunflower. Well, it was interesting, too, because Santa Monica was the first one, right? That was the big mm-hmm. single off the first album. This is their, this is the follow-up, and usually you see the dip. Yeah. Right? Usually kind of, okay, it's the, either the same thing, or they try to take it a completely different direction, mm-hmm. and... This one had some legs to it. I, you know, on a sophomore album, you don't really see that too often. It's it. It's like art was kind of waiting for the the moment to bust out these kind of songs. Almost, he's he went away from the poppy kind of uh, the beach like garage band vibe and was like, you know, I have some good pop songs uh, stored back here. What about uh, Father of Mine? And sure. Go for it, man. Ends up being one of the biggest hits on the album. Uh, this is the next song. Why I don't believe in God. Talk about narrative songs. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, so, what? Oh, this one. This, again, like, I've never listened to this album all the way through. So, there you go. Check that off the yeah. bucket list, then, my friend. See, I, I had way, a this feeling is, this was going to be a different song. By the way, at this point, uh, on the drive to DeKalb <laughs> when it's raining out, uh, yeah. we're at about Lyle or Batavia, somewhere around there, I'm sure. So this uh, this must fit in seamlessly with the cornfields and like the bumpy oh, dirt yeah. roads. Uh, well, no, it was just uh, jammed up traffic uh, oh. in the in the west suburbs. It's a long drive, man. <laughs> I remember taking long those. drive to DeKalb so I wouldn't play baseball. You know. <laughs> So that that's really it's funny. Got a lot of scorekeeping in those days. It's funny that this album puts you in that time of your life that you can remember it so vividly because I remember the same I'm the same kind of way. I remember taking the pace bus every morning and that was my time for music. I mean, sure. That's where I listened to Led Zeppelin IV, all of Elton John's albums. I mean, that's where I was able to just focus and and be with my my earbuds. Well, not earbuds at the time. They were just big can headphones and like yeah. those fuzzy little headphones. But that just it just shows like you don't get that kind of time anymore to just listen to an album. I don't. I can't remember the last time I listened to a full album. Just like sitting sure. around. Um, what's the last album you listened to? Oh gosh, I I don't know. I can't even think about. Mm-hmm. I I I, I mean because I haven't bought I haven't bought any. You know, for, for, I would say, decades. I can't remember the last album I bought for myself. Yeah. You know, or a record or, or CD or anything Do you buy like vinyl? That. No. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't have that. Again, how the neck tattoo doesn't fit when no, you're not buying no, vinyl, no. Ryan. Yeah. It just makes sense. <laughs> um, so, you know, Everclear, the name is very interesting, and it struck me even as a young lad. And I thought I could just uh, give you some quick tips about Everclear. Not okay. the band. But the alcohol. The alcohol, sure. <laughs> There's literally no alcohol in existence that mo- is more potent, in fact. Yeah. Everclear is 190 proof, which uh, you don't... There can't even be made with chemistry on this planet anything stronger than 191 to exist. That's that's insane. Yeah. It's so pure that there's no room for any of the uh, the sugars, caffeine that's in, found in a lot of other drinks cuz it's just straight straight alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. Some states have even made it illegal. Um, Pennsylvania where you can only buy El- Everclear if you prove beforehand that you're not going to drink it. <laughs> and these states also include California, Florida, Maine, Massachusetts, Hawaii, Iowa, Michigan, New York, Nevada, Ohio, Washington, North Carolina, New Hampshire, and Minnesota. I mean that's a pretty badass name for a band though. Uh yeah. Yeah. And have you ever had out even, Everclear? You know Yeah, I have. <laughs> In Indiana where it was legal, uh not much of it though, man. That Mm-mm. stuff well, you couldn't have much to no. be honest with you. At least According if you wanted to, this, to remember the rest of the day. Yeah. Um no. Gosh, there were some bad drinks though in college. There's just like things that I would never even look at now. I mean, was the one Goldschlager with the gold flakes? People really like that stuff. Yeah, there was one aftershock with the the, the, my roommate used to get. Aftershock Uh, was like like a pucker almost, like a flavor drink. Oh man, pucker. (laughs) Forgot about pucker. I had really bad experience with pucker. Really? Yeah. What happened with pucker? You're not supposed to drink the whole thing by yourself, no, man. That's no, I, not, I know it's, it's good and sugary, no, but you're not supposed makes, to. It makes you, yeah, 
thinks you have a bad night. So let's just put it that way. <laughs> Did you go with the green or the red? It was, well, it was it was green on the way out, so it was probably green on the way in, if I recall. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's dive into our last song here real quick. All right. Um, it's called Like a California King. He's kind of laying it on thick here. Ooh, I love that heavy, fuzzy bass tone that they have driving into this song. Great way to end the album. Ooh, see, this is why the 90s was so good. They weren't afraid to use pedals. They weren't afraid to use just straight-up guitar production and make a great song. Like Now it's like, you got to have the drum beats band or the backing tracks or something. This is just straight-up rock and roll with just clean, clean lyrics, uh, clean guitar parts, and just, just to perfection. You know, there's not any mistakes in this song. That's that's pretty bold statement. Forty three seconds in, I'm just digging it. <laughs> I'm just digging it. Well, I'm glad you like it. Uh, so, Ryan, before we let you go again, thanks for joining us on Two Dudes One Disc. Uh, I asked three questions to every single guest. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, first question is, you love the band Everclear. This is this is your go to album. Um, Art Alexakis nailed it. I think. <laughs> You've had a lot of experience with him. Have you ever met him in person? Yeah, actually, uh, at WGN. Oh, um, yeah, couple, that's right. A couple of years ago, he showed up for Bill and Wendy. I think he was playing uh, City Winery mm-hmm. by himself, mm-hmm. and he came in, and he asked, what song should I play? Wow. And um, he ended up doing, oh, no, I think I suggested Father of Mine, and then he went with something else. He didn't want to go that direction with his one song, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But that was the first song that popped into my head when I was there. Um, and Bill and Wendy were, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, Bill and Wendy are here, and and Everclear is here. This is insane, <laughs> yeah. you know. I remember that day. Pinch 1998, Ryan. 1997, Ryan. What, what was the experience like? Was he cool? Oh, it was cool. It was absolutely cool. I actually, I filmed it. I posted it on social media because that's what people do, and I still occasionally go back and watch it because it was just like, wow, that's awesome. Man, I was like three feet away from him when he did that. See, he's but he's he is a rock star. He is. So it's cool to see him in person and get that kind of vibe. And he was, and it's awesome that he was. Nice to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always like my biggest fear is like meeting somebody. And, and I, now now being in radio and seeing these people walk through our halls like ever, ever so often, I need to be very weary of who I'm going to be very excited about sure. because I don't want them to let me down. Sure. And Art, I remember he, I remember hearing good stories about him. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. Um, all right. So when you go to side tracks or okay. side outs or any bar uh-huh. that may or may not have karaoke, what is your go to Everclear karaoke song? <laughs> Pro- probably uh, Santa Monica, which isn't even on this. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Father of Mine. No, like, let's not bring Father it down a notch. It's because you know it's one of these things when people are like, "Oh, he's got some problems. <laughs> you got some daddy issues or something." That's one of those songs you sing uh, and you don't even move. You just put the microphone like, up to your lips right? and you're just it's like, like, "Oh boy, he must have some things in his closet." I don't. <laughs> I mean, it's just a good song, but no, probably Santa Monica, which isn't even from this album. Okay. Um, but you know what? I don't do karaoke, man. As much as I talk into microphones, singing, yeah. the thought of singing just terrifies. Me, Wait, so. so after a few shots of Everclear and some pucker, yes or no to karaoke? No, the only one who's hearing me sing is the steering wheel of my car. <laughs> all right, I love it. Um, all right, so lastly, Art Alexakis. Uh, you've seen him, you've had experiences with him, you uh, you, you know, you grew up listening to this album. Uh, but he's gone through a lot, and you've gone through a lot growing up. If you had him here today, what would be the one question you would sit down and ask him? I would ask him uh, what what the second phase of his life is like. What 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 is this like when people aren't consuming your music on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. You know, are you still doing music? Do you want to go into finance? I mean, is it <laughs> is it like an athlete who turns thirty five and all of a sudden can't throw the football anymore or can't mm. you know swing the swing the bat as well anymore? I mean, what 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 is the next phase of that, and what do you want to get into? I, I just kind of want to know what his take is and what his what his thought process is. That's a great question. Yeah. I wonder what he would say. Maybe we can reach out to him again. Yeah, we'll, we'll have get him to. back to yeah. WGN. Next time. Well, Ryan, this was awesome. Yep. Um, thanks again for joining us here. Now, another another thing we do is we rate the album. And this is on this Avenge 7 scale, where 4 is the true neutral and 7 is as high as you can go okay. with the album. Uh, knowing what you know now and listening to it all the way through yet again, what does what do you take from it? 
that the young 17-year-old Ryan uh, didn't take, and what do you give the album? Um, I think it's probably a lot darker than I would have thought when I was 17 years old, when you actually kind of get into the lyrics and understand what it is he's saying. Um, I, you know, this was this was part of the mix. I mean, I had uh, a bunch of other discs that I would throw into. This was just one of them. I'd go, what, five and a half, maybe? Five I mean, I, look, it's not, it's not the greatest album ever, but it was Ryan Burrow in, you know, 1997, 1998. This, this was me. This was where I was at. So I, I love it. I love it. You know, that's 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 a good score because it's a great album. It stands true. Hey, it was hell as it was much much fun to listen to this album. All right, especially all the way through. It's a fun album. That being said, I don't want to go back to high school. I'm done with that. Man. <laughs> all right, Ryan, where can we find you? Uh, at Newsboro on Twitter. That's it. That's it. At Newsboro. At Newsboro. Check it out. Ryan, thanks again for joining us on Two Dudes, One Disc. Thanks for having me. Let's go out with that sweet, sweet intro from Like a California King. (laughs) 